From all of you online who are with us, I heard from a couple of people who are online with us every single Sunday, and it seems like I hear these stories almost every week, so for whatever reason you are with us today, wherever you are, we're thankful you are here, and thankful for all of you who are here in person. I was a part of a uh, retreat this past weekend with church leaders and ministers from around the country. Uh, we spend about 48 hours together uh, every year, and a lot of times we go around the circle and just ask, how are you doing? Tell me about your ministry, what's going on? And I love being able to tell people, I love what I do, where I get to do it, and the God I get to do it for. I want to ask you today, if you will, will you stand for the reading of the Word of God this morning? We have six verses from Philippians 4 I'm going to work us through today. And here they are. <clears throat> I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side, since they have struggled at my side, in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And for the reading of the Word of God, the whole church said, Amen. Please be seated. And let me try to paint a picture for you real quick, all right? A lot of times in life, the way it works is there's relational hurt, relational pain, and because of that relational disunity, it can rob us of joy, and when it robs us of joy, it can create anxiety, and when it creates anxiety, it can keep us from peace. You got it? A lot of times in life, it's relational disunity that can rob us of joy, that creates anxiety, that can keep us from peace. Now, you have probably seen this played out in your life, in workplaces, in leaderships, if you've been on the boards of organizations, you've seen this play out probably in your family, you've seen this play out in church. When there is relational disunity or hurt of any kind, it can rob us of joy, it can create anxiety, and it can keep us from peace. So this retreat I was a part of this past week with ministers across the nation, there were a couple of them who talked about this year they would have a couple of elders or a couple of ministers or people who were key leaders in the church in which there was disunity and dysfunction and they would talk about and they didn't play this out through a Philippians 4, uh, through, uh, Philippians 4, through the, the language of Philippians 4, but what they talked about is it's two people not getting along created, so, robbed the whole leadership of joy. There was anxiety that was created and there was peace. It was, seemed to be felt like it was taken away from the life of the church. Like we've seen this play itself out. So I got four questions for you today. Four questions you can work through right now. Four, four questions you can process on your own. Four questions you can go to lunch today with people, your family, your friends. You can talk about it. Four questions that if your life groups or small groups are meeting today, simple questions yet reflective questions, simple questions, just to get people thinking, talking, and reflecting. And one is this, is there a relationship in your life that is not right? The second one is this, on a scale of one to ten, where is your joy? How is your joy? The third one is, on a scale of one to ten, how is your anxiety? How, how anxious do you, do you see yourself being? And the fourth one is, on a scale of one to ten, how is your peace? All right, so four questions for you to reflect on. 
And as I work us through this today, through these six verses, as I talk about relational disunity, what it means to like have joy taken from us, as I talk about anxiety, as I talk quite a bit this morning about peace and the peace of God, uh, there are some things I don't want to do today. And I, and I don't want to make anything I preach on today make it sound like if you'll just try harder, life will get better, or you just need to do better, or, you, or, or, or even you know just pray the anxiety away and it'll, it'll go. And I don't want to make it sound so easy, and I also don't want to make it sound like if you don't have peace in your life, it's all your fault. That's not what I want to do. Here are four things I hope to accomplish today through the Spirit of God working in me and through the Spirit of God working in your life. As I hope that the Spirit of God, I hope the Holy Spirit will work in your life today to equip you with confidence and competence that when it comes to hard relationships in your life, when it comes to relationships where there is disunity in your life, that you will be used by God. You will be led by God to do your part. Because you can offer forgiveness to other people even if people don't offer forgiveness from you. Like you can control what you do. You may not be able to control what other people do. So when it comes to you working in your life to help make relationships right, you do your part. I hope this morning that the Spirit of God will work through me and will work in your life to help you know that joy in your life is a daily choice you make. And if I had enough room on the slide, I would say this is a choice you make with God every day of your life. This is a prayer I pray every day of my life. Every morning, I pray that God will fill me with joy. Joy, being a joyful person, isn't something that just accidentally happens in your life. This is something that God wants to cultivate in you. And this morning, I hope that I preach in a way and that the whole Spirit of God works in your life in a way to know that anxiety in your life can be managed. And in the context of Philippians 4, it needs to be managed in a context of prayer. With you being able to pray about anxiety, to surrender anxiety, to talk to God about it, to cultivate practices of gratitude in your life, especially to combat anxiety, and to also know that sometimes anxiety needs medical uh, and professional help. And I also hope that the Spirit of God works in me and works in your life today in a way to know that peace is available for you. That God is a dispenser of peace. That this is not something that God likes to withhold from people. So with that in mind, let's begin in verse 7 today. Because in verse 7 it says the peace of God. It's the only time this phrase shows up in the entire New Testament. But in the peace of God which transcends or surpasses all understanding... That this could be a gift to you. And then what it says is that this could guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Like who reads Philippians 4, 7 and doesn't think like I want a piece of that or I need that in my life. Or some of you would pay money for it right now. Like you would fight for it, right? Like just the peace of God to be fully present in your life. So a couple of weeks ago in the awakening, it's our monthly worship and prayer night. Uh, Right now we are focusing on the names of God. And the name of God we focused on in October was Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, which is a title given to God in Judges chapter 6. And that night as I preached about the peace of God, there are a couple of things I said in, in, in that talk that night. And one is this. I think we need to, when we think about peace, sometimes we think peace from, like, I could experience peace from God if I, if I could just get rid of this, or, or peace from God would come if I could just get rid of some stress and chaos in my life. I want to encourage people to think about peace from and peace for. God wants to, to help lead us in a way where we experience peace from stress or peace from chaos and, and the anxiety that comes in life, but God also wants to prepare us to, to have peace for, peace for life, peace for mission. You can't be a peacemaker in this life if you don't have peace in you. 
I want to help people understand that peace, a lot of times we think peace. We think if I can just get through this week to the weekend, I'll get some peace this weekend. Or if I can just get to that vacation, then I can get some peace. And sometimes it can be a gift from God, right? After a long week, being able just to have an hour or 30 minutes on a weekend just to sit on a couch and kick your feet up and, and just experience a little bit of peace, it can be peace from God. But I want to encourage people not to think about peace as something you get to but I think Sunday night and Monday morning may be the most important times for us to focus on peace. That God, I don't want to think about peace being something I need to get through a crazy week so I can get some, but let me begin my life, let me begin my week in a state of peace so that no matter what happens in my life, I'll live from that place. So one thing the Bible teaches us is peace is not the absence of stress and chaos in life. It is learning to live a life with God of peace no matter what we're experiencing. And I love this image in Philippians 4, verse 7, of this is what guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is military language. This is a garrison who is looking over a city. This is the watchman. This is the Roman soldiers who are looking out, protecting a city. And to think that when it comes to Philippians 4, verse 7, the peace of God wants to do that for you. The peace of God wants to be the protector of your heart and the protector of your mind to keep anything that could disrupt peace from getting inside of you and anything that may be inside of you that is disrupting peace to get it out. All right, so I'm a little thirsty. Kip, will you toss me that right there if you don't mind? Just, all right, here we go. <clears throat> I'm holding in my hand a Dr. Pepper, God's gift to the world. Just think of it as a healthy protein option, all right? <laughs> uh, 23 flavors, made in 1885. In the Hebrew, this is the land flowing with milk and honey, right here, all right? <laughs> Abilene Christian University, they would sometimes they switch their contracts from Pope, co Coke to Pepsi. Pepsi to Coke, and no matter who they have in their contract is, they get to sell Dr. Pepper because you cannot be a functional university in the state of Texas without this drink. Sometimes I like to just shake up the 23 flavors. It's an image of what heaven's going to be like, right? All, all nations and all tribes coming together in one bottle is one. 23 flavors mixed and stirred all in one, one taste that will help you experience a taste of heaven. And then that's when I like to just pop the top. The only thing keeping this from exploding right now is this little plastic cap. That's it. The only thing is a little plastic top right now is keeping this from exploding. How many of you have ever felt like this in your life this week? that inside of you there is so much stirring. You put your head on the pillow at night and wonder why you can't experience peace. That even though your body may be still, your mind is racing. Why some relationships in your life that you have tried to get right, why they're not right. Why work seems to, when you go home, uh, it's like you, all it would take is just a little twist in your life and it would explode. And often when we explode, it's not on the people who've caused us the harm, it's on the people we love the most, right? The only thing keeping me from making a mess right now 
It's this little, it's this little plastic top. Because right now, if I were to open this, it would not just make a mess of me. It would mess up our brand new carpet in this. I'm just joking. It would, it would mess up our carpet. If Brian and Lauren Birdwell are in here who clean our building right now, they are thinking, this better be a sermon illustration that does not create a big mess. And this, this whole area would be a Shamu splash zone right here. All of you could get messy, which is the way it often works in life. We get shaken up. We don't know what to, how to deal with it. And then when we explode, we're not the only ones who experience the mess. Other people around us do too. And Philippians 4, 7 talks about God being the one who guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. To guard us from exploding. To also guard everything from outside, from getting inside of this bottle that makes it go flat. And the only way that one of us could be able to drink this Dr. Pepper right now is to let it sit for just a little while. To be still. To calm down. And then here, maybe in 30 minutes, we'll let church get over and then somebody can come and enjoy them a Dr. Pepper and by that time, it'll probably be good to go. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, wants to guard your heart and mind in Christ. I went back all the way up to verse 2. Some people suggest that this is the entire reason that Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi is that in verse 2, there's a conflict going on in the life of the church. And what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 2, is I plead with Yodi and I plead with Syntyche. Calls him by name. Now, if you notice what he does, is he doesn't say, I plead with Yodia, and if Syntyche's anywhere around, you know, if she could get maybe a little bit of what I'm saying. He doesn't say, I plead with Syntyche, and if maybe you just need to relay whatever I say to Yodia. It is, I plead with Yodia, and I plead with Syntyche. Paul's not choosing sides here. But he's encouraging these two ladies. There's some disagreement that is happening, and he's encouraging them to get it right, like be of the same mind in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus comes back and makes all things right and heaven is fully established, I don't know how it's going to go down, but I'm assuming there will be some meet and greet time. Like, we're going to be able to like, meet people and shake hands, and you're going to go in with a handshake. People are going to come in with a fist bump, and there's going to be this kind of stuff, you know, and then you give each other a hug because there's not going to be COVID or sickness in heaven, so we can, however you want to meet people, and and I don't know how many Yodias and Syntyches there will be in heaven, but we're going to meet them and we're going to be like, oh, we read about you. And in Philippians 4 verse 2, we don't know what the disagreement was about, but it did not keep us for 2,000 years from spending entire Bible classes thinking about what divided you two. And we speculate and we guess, I don't know if this was something as big as, like, I mean, did one of them burn the rose for the church potluck? And the other got upset that one of them used all the toilet paper in the church restroom and they either didn't put it back on or when they put it back on, they put it on going under and not over. In the name of Jesus, amen, right? Was it something as big as there being some kind of financial stress between the two? Financial fraud? Were they suing each other? Did one of them cheat on the other one's husband? Did, or cheat? Was there an affair? I mean, we don't know. Was it something as small as a glance or a form of gossip? Like, we, we don't know. We just know that this was disrupting not just their lives, it was disrupting the unity of the church. You know, Yodia's name means pleasant. And Syntyche's name means fortune. This is mispleasant and misfortune. And there's this strong disagreement between them that's impacting and affecting the life of their church. 
And Paul writes, pleading with them to be of the same mind in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that whatever's dividing you, like you need to be on the same page about every issue in life. That's not the message. So in your differences, be of the same mind in Christ Jesus. So we don't know what it was dividing them, but Paul talks to them as co-workers, which is the most intimate phrase Paul uses to describe people. Like these are, this is the word, this is the phrase Paul used to describe people in his inner life. And we know that the church of Philippi in Acts chapter 17, that there were women leaders. That we know the church, the first people who came into the church in Acts chapter 16, or it's Lydia, and it's women who were at a place of prayer. And at the end of Acts 16, it seems to be Lydia's house that became like home base for Christians in Philippi. And so he's putting them on the same level as Clement. And when it comes to dysfunctional relationships in a church or in an organization, sometimes it's the enemy, it's Satan who's coming after some form of leadership to disrupt unity because you disrupt some leadership, you can disrupt everything in the organization or church. And here are two women, and, and we don't know what the disagreement is, but Paul's reaching out, and when Paul reaches out, he's, he's asking the church to get involved in helping these two women to be of the same mind in the Lord. Where sometimes we want to go about our lives and tell people, stay out of my business. Paul's saying the church needs to get in each other's business for anything that is disrupting the unity of the church. And Paul goes as far to say that for these two women and Clement and some others, their names are written in the book of life. I think this is Paul's way of saying, don't you know, like we're all saved? We're all saved. And if we're all saved, let's act like we're saved. And Paul writes to them because he's acknowledging there is relational disunity in the church. It is robbing this church of joy. So Paul starts saying a phrase he used 16 different times in this letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll, I'll say it again, rejoice. Because disunity can rob us of joy. And when it robs us of joy, it can create all different forms of anxiety. And when we've been robbed of joy and there's anxiety, it can keep all of us from peace. It's a story I love to tell. Read it about a decade ago of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and you don't have to be a basketball fan to get this story. But these are two of the most, you know, acknowledged, iconic figures in professional basketball history. And they hated each other. They played against each other in high school, and college, and they didn't just play in the pros against each other. Like, they battled it out for championships multiple times. And in the 1980s, both of them signed a shoe deal with Converse. Any Converse fans in the house? Anybody? All right, we got a few. And Converse is, what they asked when they signed a contract is that Magic and Larry, they had to shoot a, a commercial together. And for whatever reason, Larry said, I'll shoot the commercial, but I want it to be done on my farm in Indiana. So the commercial crew, the video crew, Magic, they all went to Indiana to shoot this commercial. And Magic steps out onto the basketball court out there on the farm, and he's wearing his black, new black Converse's, and Larry Bird has on his white shoes, and they get out on the court, and they're staring at each other, and they walk around in a circle, and then they yell, cut, because it was time for lunch. And when it was time for lunch, everybody started to go their own separate ways, except Larry Bird's mom, who stepped out on the porch and yelled at Magic Johnson and said, you are coming to my table today. 
And Magic went in the house and sat down, and Larry Bird is on the record saying, up until that moment in his life, Magic Johnson was always magic. But that day, he became Irvin Johnson. And he said, Magic I hate, but Irvin I learned to like. And I learned to know who Irvin was when we sat down at my mom's table. And I wonder for Yodia and Syntyche what it was like the day this letter came to the church in Philippi. And they're reading a letter and Paul calls him by name and then encourages the church help and pray and seek the unity of this relationship and what it means for the witness of the church as they engage the community around them. And I don't know exactly what worship services were like in the first century culture, but I think everything built up to a communion moment when they were around a table and there would be the bread and the cup and there would be conversations. And I wonder the day the letter was read if Yodia and Syntyche were there in the room and there was something that happened between the bread and the cup that helped them set down some of their differences and acknowledge that for the sake of the kingdom of God, we've got to set aside our differences so that we can come together so that this church can be a witness in the community. And maybe today, for some of you, as we move to one of our six tables for communion, maybe for you today, as we come to this table with Jesus, you need to take seriously a relationship in your life that you need to do your part to make it right. And there's nothing about this moment that says you need to find joy in your life and when you find your joy, then come to the table. You come to the table and hear God dispenses joy in our lives. And there's nothing about this table that says set aside your anxious thoughts, get rid of your anxiety and then come to the table. This is where Jesus says your anxiety doesn't scare me. Bring your anxious thoughts and everything you are. And this is the place where for years there are Christians with the bread and the cup, what they whisper to each other is the peace of God. So this morning, and I want to invite shepherds and our prayer leaders, Rachel Galbraith is going to be up over here on the wall to my right. Uh, Casey, uh, my wife, is going to be up here to the left. We'll have an elder in the front, an elder in the back, and I'll be up here. And as we take communion today, the prayer leaders are here to receive you. And if there's anything we can pray for you, especially when it comes to hurting relationships in your life, or where you sense there may be a lack of joy or anxiety or a lack of peace, give us a chance to pray these things over you today. And we're going to leave Philippians 4-7 on the screen just for a couple of minutes as we move to the table that this may be a moment that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, that this will be a promise that is true in our minds and in our hearts today. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads? For God, Jesus, through your sacrifice, you have established a way for us to experience you. So God, for all the distractions, all the hurt that comes our way, a life that often leaves us with wounds and scars, at the table we're reminded of your wounds and scars that have made everything right. So today, through the power of your Spirit, somehow through this meal, Make relationships better. Fill us with joy. 
Help us as we live with anxious thoughts and anxiety in our hearts. And God, give us peace. And Jesus, thank you for a table in which every Sunday you say you are welcome. Through Christ we pray. Amen.